Well, it's really great to be here with you guys, as I'm sure you have gathered from my accent that I'm not local. <laughs> yeah. Um, I look after the kids' ministry in Elam, Ireland, um, through a group called Generation Next. Um, just on accents, uh, we were discussing over the dinner table last night. Uh, we were watching a, a local show in Northern Ireland based on Northern Ireland people. And they had this guy on, and he was talking about a topic that had passed from generations to generations. And he needed subtitles. <laughs> so you can imagine that if you can understand me, my, my accent isn't that bad, okay? But I'm very passionate about what I'm about to speak about this morning. So if I start to get too passionate, I will probably start to speak quite quickly. And if I'm starting to speak too quickly, please feel free to put your hand up and I will see it and hopefully I'll be able to rein it in a little. So my name is Ian and you've heard that I work with Generation Next. I met Jesus in 1990 at the age of 20. And through my journey, um, I came to 1993. And I come to a point in my life, whenever I was in that space, what do I do for God? And the answer was nothing. So I said, God, I will do anything you want me to do. I will go anywhere you want me to go. But please don't ask me to do one thing. <laughs> and here I am, almost 26 years later, standing in front of you to talk about that one thing. God has an amazing sense of humor. He does indeed. And it's true when they say that those he calls, he equips. I became the leader of Generation Next in September past, although I've been a part of the core team for the last seven years. And I have worked under some amazing leaders. And it's our job to make sure that all of our 68 Elam churches in Ireland are equipped and functioning and are encouraged uh, in their kids' ministry. That's a little bit of overview um, of what we do as a team. But God built in me a long time ago to always look after those that serve alongside. So when Nick asked me to come and be a part of this, and I get to be a part of this room full of kids workers, I am so excited. Never mind my passion for this topic, but I get to rub shoulders with you guys for a whole day. Ordinarily, I would never get the opportunity to, and I'm excited for that. But the one thing I see when I visit churches, I meet the most creative people. I meet the most talented individuals. But the one thing that sticks out is I meet tired, worn out, undervalued, underfunded kids' ministries and kids' ministry leaders. Now, I don't know whether that's your experience, but that's my experience. That's what I see everywhere I go. Maybe not in every person, but certainly in at least 50%. Which saddens me. So today, in this first session, we're going to deal with this. The magnitude of your call. The call of God on your life is incredible. 
And I hope that this session will make you want to grow deeper, reach further and impact more with the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is what he has called you to do. So with that in mind, I want to ask you that question. How much value do you place on what you do and your position within your kids' ministry? Do you place yourself somewhere in the family sector? Do you place yourself maybe boldly just underneath the worship team? Where do you feel you, you, you place in the list of things that go on in your church? In my opinion, kids' ministry is the single most important ministry in your church. Now, I'm not besmirching any other ministry. Please hear my heart, because I hope that I can qualify this. We are the foundation builders. We are those that build layers of truth and purpose yeah, and on. identity yeah. into our kids. Amen. Yeah, so as they move through our ministry with an understanding of who Jesus is, what he wants to do, and how he wants to use them, they move into our youth ministry. Our youth ministries start to change. They start to change because no longer do our youth leaders and youth pastors have to fix so many broken teenagers. Because a generation is rising through your ministry that right. knows God and has a hunger and a thirst after all he has for them to do. And the greatest spiritual gift that your youth workers will use is discernment. Because they will have to take those kids and start to see what God is working out of them. Because they will not be content to sit in the corner. I have seen this with my own eyes. I have seen 12-year-olds going into a room full of 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds and they have had to try and dampen down their program because they think 12-year-olds are moving into their youth ministry. And when the first chords are struck, those that, are worship, that have a worshipful heart are the 12-year-olds. Yeah, that's right. Your 14, 15, 16-year-olds are standing with their hands in their pockets and you have a room full of 12-year-olds lost in worship because they know who Jesus is. That's right, yeah. As they move through your youth ministry, I believe our Bible colleges will start to fill up because we're raising a generation that won't stand still. They are so hungry and thirsty after God that they want to pursue Him and everything He has for them to do. Our churches will become attractive places in our community because this generation will not be content to warm a pew every single Sunday. They will want to be on the move for the God who loves them and has a purpose for them to fulfill. That's right. Can you see the picture? Yes. And that all happens because you bother to give up your time from 4 to 11 to hear God's voice, to do what he wants, to build up children so they can fulfill their great commission. The amazing thing is that God chose you and we get to do that with him. Yeah, that's right. John 15, 16 says this. 
You did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. That is a verse that challenges me day in and day out. This is not about me, but it's all about him. Whenever he saved me, he had a purpose for me. I didn't choose him, he chose me. We need to be planted in him so we can be planted by him to bear fruit for him. Very good. That is the key Amen. to everything that you do. If you are not planted in him, you cannot be planted by him. So whatever you do will never succeed. Because it's God's work, not your work. So with that in mind, we're going to move into these three topics. How big is your way? How big is your vision? And how big is your expectation? The first thing is this, how big is your way? Most of what I encounter can be summed up in the fact that we have lost our way. We turn up week in and week out doing what we've always done because we tend to function from our how rather than from our why. And some of you are here today and you're looking for the next thing. You're looking for the next thing that's going to help you move into the next space. And that's great, because there's nobody who's more excited about the next two speakers than me, because I love it, if you hadn't got it already. <laughs> but it's not enough. It's not enough. I read a book a few years ago by a guy called Simon Sinek, and it was a book called Start With Why. He's a business advisor and consultant to so many big corporations, and he came up with a formula that he could pinpoint whether your company is going to be successful or not. And it consisted of three words. Why, how, and what. Companies that start with what they do will ordinarily fail in the shortest space of time. Other companies that function from their how will have a little bit longer to go, but ultimately they will fail. But companies that start with why are very, very successful companies because they know why they do what they do. They totally understand their why. We need to be living out of our way. As kids workers and as Christians, we need to be living out of our why. Our belief, our faith, and our purpose. And God, and our belief in all that he is, all that he has done, should always be the reason that we do what we do. Here is where our passion, desire, creativity, and resource comes from. And that's the thing that's going to sustain you through good times and bad. But there's a tendency that the longer we spend within this ministry, that we work from our experience rather from our utter dependence on him. The longer we spend in this, and I'm as guilty of it at times as anyone else, we tend to fall back on what we know. We've done that before, it was quite successful, we'll try it again. You see, if our why is not bigger than our how, we're in trouble. Yeah. 
Because when we live out of our high, we can do it in our own strength. And that has an expiry date. It normally ends up with us walking away, burnt out, forgetting even who he is and all that he has done for us because we're just too tired. And we will never live in the full potential of all God has for you and me. Our high has a limited resource, which is us. But our why is an unlimited resource, who is God. Yeah. So, what is our why? Matthew 6, verse 21 says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? Or why is the reason you've been saved, your purpose, your goal, and your God-given objective? Our why is to introduce kids to the God that stole your heart. Do you remember what it felt like to have that release, to have your burdens lifted, to live with ultimate peace and joy? Is it a fresh memory or is it something that you've set aside? Our purpose in this life is to strive to be more like him and follow the example he sets for us. So, for a moment, let's see his way <coughs> when it comes to kids. Matthew 19, 13 to 15. One day, some parents, very popular portion of scripture, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him, but Jesus said, let the children come to me and don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Very, very important portion of scripture. Not just because we're kids workers, but for the church in general. It appears in Matthew 19, Mark 10, Luke 18. Identical pieces of scripture. Three synoptic gospels that were written to three different types of people which intimates to me how important it is for the church, the worldwide church, to embrace what Jesus is saying and doing in this space. Here we see his why is our why. Verse 14 in my NLT version says this, let the children come to me. The authorized King James version uses a, a strange term, suffer the little children. But this word suffer comes from the Greek word afiami, which means not just let the kids come, but leave them alone and get them to me without hindering them. It's not enough for us just to read the words in the Bible. It's up to us to ask the Holy Spirit to help us dig deeper. Just one word changes everything. Why? 
Because Jesus knows the value of children encountering him. Did you know that approximately 40% of decisions made with Jesus happened by the age of five? Wow. And I'm being conservative with this next one. Some would say a lot more. But 85% of decisions made for Jesus happened by the age of 18. Some would say 90 plus, depending on what statistics you look at. Did you also know that we have two ways of learning? Our cognitive ability and our moral ability. Our cognitive ability starts when, when, when we're born. Peaks at the age of 35, and although we don't stop learning at the age of 35, thank goodness, <laughs> we will learn much slower as we grow older. The second way is our moral learning, our moral ability, that determines what we see as right and wrong. It starts at the age of two. Any parents gone through the terrible twos? Yeah, starts at the age of two because they start to question everything. They start to question authority. And all of that starts at the age of two. Get your head around this, it peaks at the age of 12. And by the time a child is 16 to 18 years old, its moral DNA is set for the rest of its life. So if you never valued what you do, you need to check yourself. This is incredibly important stuff that you're involved in. Jesus expresses his urgent need to encounter children, for he knows the battle that's raging for their souls. Genesis 3.15, I will cause hostility, hatred, constant battle between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Jesus knew the battle that rages for our children. And Satan wants our kids growing up in a broken society so that they have their polars of right and wrong change but Matthew 16, 18 changes it all. It says, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. The wonderful thing about Jesus is he always has a plan. He's never left lacking. And he has called us, kids workers, gifted us with multi-talents to go and reach and equip and disciple kids. So that they won't stand to the standard this world offers. But they will stand to a heavenly standard that is God. That will break down and break into their family ideal, their schools and their communities. That is who he is. Yeah, and that is what he can do. Sure. But within this, I love Jesus. Because he never leaves us lacking anything. In fact, what he has for you in this next bit is incredibly important. Oops. <laughs> his provision in our way. This portion goes on to say in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Never anywhere else in scripture does Jesus look at a group of adults and say, the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these adults. Never, ever, ever. 
does he say that? Kids are really special in the eyes of God. And here he teaches us a very important lesson. That spending time with children will accelerate your spiritual growth. Because when you work with and spend time with children, it will change you. It will change your prayer life. It will change your devotional life. It will change your perspective. Why? Because this phrase means the power and dominion of heaven belongs to those who are like these kids. The power and dominion of heaven. Then we see in Matthew 18, whenever he... His disciples are fighting over who's the greatest. Jesus takes a little child and sets him in the midst. And he says, unless you repent and become like a little child, you will not see the kingdom of God. But if you look at Mark's account, it takes it to a whole new level. Mark chapter 9, 36, 37. Then he put a child among them, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me and anyone who welcomes me not only me but also my father who sent me what jesus is saying here is there's power in a hug it's the little things in scripture that if we don't take time to notice we miss out he didn't just set a child in the midst and talk it says he took him in his arms and then he says to his church, when you welcome a little child like this, you welcome me. There is power in an embrace. When you embrace kids, you embrace me. And all that I have for you, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. When we embrace Jesus, he only has good stuff for us. He has more. Your why is always in him and all he is. But when we try to do it any other way, we will always lack. But with him, we lack nothing. Your why is the key to the success of your ministry. Your why will encourage, empower, and enhance everyone and everything you do because that's who he is he is almighty God and he chose you I don't know how you feel about that but I am so very very thankful that I don't have to do this by myself he is amazing make sure your why is bigger than you make sure your why is always Jesus. We're going to look at this now. How big is your vision? Vision is a very important part of what you do. When I go out to do a consult with churches and I get a kids team around me, I ask two questions. The second question is this. What would you like to see happen within the kids' ministry where you serve? Because I ask this to help individuals see further than themselves. We have a tendency that whenever we get comfortable, that we live within our limitations. But that's not who God is. God is unlimited. And if we belong to him, then we, we live 
in an unlimited ministry. But we tend to limit ourselves. What does the Bible say? Proverbs 28, 18, King, the New King James says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. This could read, Where there is no communication from God, the people live how they like and have no moral restraint. But people that hear prophetic teaching, divine direction or instruction, content and blessed are they. <coughs> this is why our why is so important. Because our vision comes directly from our why, Jesus. The prophets and priests and Levites in the Old Testament were the ones that brought God to the people. But the Great Commission and the Holy Spirit has given us an opportunity to share Jesus with this word. <clears throat> Each one of us can have a God-given vision, both big and small. So for a short time this morning, we're going to look at how big is your vision in two parts. Why is vision important? And how to pioneer personal vision. The second one is a very practical situation that I found myself in a few years ago. So how big is your vision? Or, no, why vision is important, sorry. Vision brings growth. Vision will never let you stand still. You will always be thinking to the next thing. Vision will passionately pursue those without Christ, regardless of whether it's large or small. Vision will always find a way to reach those who need Jesus. Vision will consume you. And when you're serious about what God has for you to do, it will overtake who you are. I was talking to Nick's wife at the door. And she was saying that last night she was here. In church. Because her heart is here. And everything that revolves around family is here. It's incredible. Whenever you give God your yes, it changes everything. It changes who you are. Everywhere you go, you're always looking for ideas. Has that ever happened yet? <coughs> Whenever we go out shopping, it doesn't matter where we are, even if we're doing grocery shopping, my wife will lose me from time to time because I'm stuck in the toy aisle. I'm trying to see what the next toy is. You know, she's always giving off to me. She said, Ian, not another Nerf gun. <laughs> well, you know, it's the latest model. You know, I, I really gotta have it, love. I really gotta have it. Actually, she bought me a Nerf gun for Christmas this year. <laughs> I'm not lying, seriously. She brought me a. Actually, bought me a Nerf rifle. Oh, come on. So, <laughs> that's a way. That's, that's a way. Come on. <laughs> but it will change because you'll always be looking for ideas. Find out what's current and how you can change things. Vision will help you grow most in patience and perseverance. That's important. Vision doesn't happen right away sometimes. It will teach you patience and perseverance. But one day you will look back. When you devote yourself to that and all that God has for you, one day you will look back and wonder, how on earth did I get this far? Because it will have consumed you that much. Vision brings leaders. 
Jesus' vision to reconcile mankind to God led him to the cross. But on the way, he spoke passionately about the kingdom and eternity there. And others followed. People follow vision. When you want to recruit, recruit by sharing your God-given vision. No one is more passionate about your ministry than you are. And can I tell you something that's not on my sheets? Vision is infectious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. When you're passionate about what you believe in the place where God has placed you, you become so infectious that people won't need recruited. My wife will testify we haven't had to ask for volunteers in about seven years. Every time we have a need, someone comes along and goes, can I be a part of what you do? It's amazing. Because they understand me, they understand my heart, and they know who I want to be in charge. Vision brings life. Vision that is full of life and energy is fueled, sorry, ministry that is full of life and energy is fueled by vision. And when ministry is on life support, you will normally find that it is due to the lack of vision. The vitality level of your ministry is directly linked to your vision level. Remember Proverbs 29, 18? But people that hear prophetic teaching, divine direction, or instruction, content and blessed are they? Not tired and worn out. Fourthly, vision can bring finance. The amazing thing about vision is that it can bring finance. Now, I'm not saying this is a gimme. And please hear my heart, I'm not preaching prosperity gospel, because I don't believe in it. What I am saying is this, that one day I was having lunch with a friend of mine, and he's not a Christian. And he asked me, he says, Ian, have you any plans for the summer? Well, my wife smiles because she knows that if anybody asks me about what I do in church, or anybody asks me about what I have coming up, be prepared for the avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> because I can't help myself. I love working with kids so much, and I love working with guys like you so much, and I love working with the Holy Spirit even more that I love to see him encounter kids and our leaders be changed because of it. So that day we were having lunch and my friend Keith, he says, what are you doing about summer? So I started to share about Wondrous Bible Week coming up. We get to do a whole week, a six night program, five morning program for kids. Whilst the adults, I'm glad that they have an activity for the adults to do in the main hall. <laughs> we, we get all of this stuff to do with kids and it's amazing and I was telling you we we're going to build this and it's going to look like this and we're really expecting God to do this because he's done it in the past and there's no reason why he won't do it again and I looked up and he was sitting with his checkbook open an unsaved guy can I help and how much do you need and this didn't happen to me once. My insurance guy is the same. He came in to renew my company's insurance policy. 
And before he left, he had committed the £300 donation into our Generation Next Fund. <laughs> Not because of anything I asked him for, but because he wanted to be a part of what we do. Great. That's what vision does. Be passionate about what you do. Use every opportunity that you can. Have strategic conversations with people. Not to squeeze anything out of them, but to enlighten them with what God's doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the key. It has to be about God. Everything we do revolves around him. Every breath we take revolves around him. Vision is no different. Vision changes lives. Vision that is born and fueled by God will change lives, including your own. When God intervenes through vision, life will inevitably change. It will change how you think. It will change how you recruit. It will change how you talk. It will change how others perceive you and it will also change people around you. Vision from God is the very thing that will change everything. Keep believing God for it. Don't let anything get in the way of it. And if your vision has grown dim, ask God to rekindle it. If you've never had one, ask him for one. Because when he places it in your heart, Nothing will ever be the same again. Which leads me into this. How to pioneer personal vision. What does that look like? Every one of us, without exception, has the ability to have a vision from God. But where does it start and how do we work it out? First thing, where does it start? Vision in the world starts in the head. But vision from God starts in your heart. There has to be a hunger and a thirst in, in your heart for what God has for you to do. Jeremiah 29, 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God will never force vision onto you. But you need to seek him for him. And he needs to see that you're prepared to do whatever it takes. And you're ready to receive it. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It is one. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. When he sees that we are ready, hungry, determined to follow through with the vision that God has for us, then he that is God, will open the doors and reveal to us what it is that he has planned for us to do. Vision for me always is connected to the relationship that you have with your Heavenly Father, with our Heavenly Father. Psalm 37 verse 4. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Questions need asked. This is when it starts to get a bit personal for me. When was the last time you asked God for a vision? Do you pursue vision from God on a regular basis? October 2016. I was having my quiet time. And sometimes I ask God for a new thing. Especially when I start to feel too comfortable. 
This was one of those times. I just want to share with you guys, I believe that comfortableness is not your friend in ministry. It brings complacency. And with complacency comes danger. So be very careful if you're comfortable where you are. Because that's not how God intended it to be. Every day I asked, what is it, Lord? What's next for me to do? And sometimes when we ask for things and God doesn't, I'm surprised that I get surprised. Because he loves me unconditionally and he only has good things for me to do. He knows the condition of my heart. He knows the motive in which I have asked. He knows whether I'm ready for it or whether I'm not ready for it. But sometimes when he does answer our prayers, we wonder, man, I didn't expect that. Why not? He is God, and he only has good gifts for his children. Matthew 7, 7. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. At the beginning of March 2017, that's five months later of asking every morning in my quiet time, what's next, Lord? Come on, what's next? I'm getting too comfortable. I don't like this. Come on, Lord, what's next? My pastor rang. He says, are you free for a coffee? And I go, yeah, I'm free for a coffee. So he came down to my office, and we were having coffee and chatting through stuff. And he goes, I have been meaning to ask you something for such a long time now. And then he asked a question. Spoke straight into my spirit. He asked me, would you ever consider moving into schools ministry? I have a full-time job. I'm thinking, how can I work this out? But inside, my heart was pounding. For unknown to him, I had been asking God that question for five months. And that was as if he in turn was asking me, how serious are you about this? I'm a guy that never pushes doors open. Because I believe that whatever God has for you will naturally walk into it. You do not need to push doors. You may need to give them a gentle nudge from time to time, but that's more of a personal thing of where you're at rather than where he's at. But I believe that if God is in it, he will open the doors. But we always have to do the background work. So I told my pastor, like, as calmly as I could, even though I was down inside, I was like, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have a wee think about that and see what happened. As soon as he left, this is where it started. Journeying without movement. Do your homework. Whenever you feel God has planted vision within you, do all you can to find out about it. Find out who the experts are. Have a chat with those guys. Find out as much as you can. And this works no matter how big or small your vision is. Even if it's personal vision for family members. Find out people who have been in similar situations. Talk to them. Find out what it was. It might not work for you, but at least you're finding out new things. The same thing works with big vision. Talk to the experts. I was fortunate that I knew a few guys 
who work in the schools ministry where I'm at. Work in the city, in Belfast, in the inner city schools. Also work in more rural schools. I also knew big ministries that were involved in the primary school system. I was on the phone straight away. I had four appointments already done before the pastor would probably get into the car in the car park. And I was like, yeah, any chance I could come and have a chat? You know, this is what's happening. I'd love to chat with you about it. Every single one of them cleared their schedules for me. That tells me that I am journeying without moving. God's already preparing the way. We had great chats about the, the do's and the don'ts of kids' ministry in schools because our school system is changing rapidly. And over the last 10 years, what you can say in schools has rapidly <laughs> changed when it comes to God. So I needed to make sure that I, if I, this is something that I was going to explore, that I knew what my limitations were in that regard. I have a big passion for kids, if you hadn't gathered already. But this was a field that was totally alien to me. But even if the vision wasn't from God, I'm still learning lots and showing due diligence, which is important. 2 Peter 1 verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do think, do these things, you will never stumble. Due diligence is an essential part of your vision. Make it happen. That's the bit that you have to do. Find out about it. God wants us to do our homework to show we are serious and that we know exactly what we're getting ourselves into. Unknown to me, I was on a journey but didn't realize I was even moving. Because God was doing what he needed to do in the background, preparing a way that I didn't even know existed yet. Lastly, doors come off the hinges. See, I don't believe God opens doors. I believe that when God has a door for you to go through, he doesn't ask for you to go through it. He takes the door away. He removes it. So you know exactly where you're going and the direction you're being led into. That's who he is. He will never leave you questioning, is it or isn't it? Should I take a step? Should I not take a step? He'll remove it. You'll be under no illusion whenever it's vision from God. God doesn't just open doors. He takes them off the hinges. But are you willing to take the first step? This is the scariest part about pioneering personal vision. Because at this point, there is no turning back. But there's nothing to be scared of. If this is vision from God, he has everything taken care of. Do you believe that this morning? Yeah. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you, and he will neither fail you nor abandon you. The worst thing that can happen to you at this moment is when you take a step, the door doesn't open. That's it. But look at what you've learned in the process. And I believe that whenever we show due diligence, and this is a side note, whenever we show due diligence, it will never ever be wasted. You will be required someday to exercise what you have learned. Yeah? 
Be bold and strong. For when you follow God's vision for your life, you are guaranteed to succeed. Joshua 1 then. This was God's command to Joshua. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go within this vision, God goes with you. Amen. And when he goes with you, there is nothing that can get in your way. If he is forging the way ahead of you, there is nothing that's going to be a stumbling block for you. More often than not, the stumbling block is yourself. Because God's ways are perfect ways. This was the first step for me. I spoke to a lady in our church who works in a local primary school. I asked, who do I talk to about assemblies? She said, Ian, there's a pastor in the town of a different denomination to us. He looks after assemblies, and he also does an after-schools club. Nope. <laughs> Technology. I'm rubbish. So this lady informed me of what was going on. She had told me about this guy who looks after all of the stuff that goes on in this particular school. I said, look, you know, if it would help, I would be happy to volunteer in his after schools club. I didn't even know where I could get a time off work or not. But I said, look, if it makes it easier for him, I'll be glad to do that. Because I had taken the first step. Nothing could have nothing could have prepared me for what happened next. This was on a Sunday evening, and this lady rang me on a Monday afternoon, and she said to me, Ian, you're not going to believe the conversation I have just had. This guy and his wife pastor and wife team had spent more than an hour on the Sunday night praying that God would send someone, anyone, to help them with their after schools ministry. Come on. She said, you're already on the road. <laughs> I goes, okay, so I'm on the road. Wednesday of that week, this guy came into my place of work. This pastor, never met him before in my life. Spent an hour and a half in my office over coffee, talking about God and talking about schools, talking about kids' ministry. And his church used their after-schools club because they were, old, they were an old church who didn't have a Sunday school. So they saw this after-schools club as theirs. But he was so overjoyed that I would come on board. And for me, I was coming on board to submit to his leadership. To help him do whatever he needed to do to fulfill the purpose that he felt that he needed to fulfill in that space. He took me on as a partner. He said, Ian, can we do this together? I was, yeah, I'd love to. Since then, at the end of the conversation, 
He had signed me up to work in a special needs school to do assemblies there. It was as if God was saying, you've had your go. Now it's my turn. Our dream for schools ministry was to build things like breakfast clubs, after schools clubs, and teams that do assemblies, forging relationships with not just kids, but their teachers, heads, and parents. So they know who we are as a church. But more importantly, they know who Jesus is. And how we can help physically and spiritually in that environment. At present, we're in eight local schools. Because of my work commitments, I can't take anymore. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm robbing them, you know. But thankfully, um, they released me to do all of this. We're in eight schools, we are running scripture unions, and the after schools club that I started in is now our after schools club. God knew what he was doing. The pastor that I came alongside, after six months, he resigned. God knew what he was doing. This journey was already set out when I was still trying to discover where my purpose was in it. He was already sorting all of that and taking care of it. My point is this, that vision for our lives and ministries is so important and we need God's vision. So we can fulfill all that he has created us to do, both as individuals and as church. For his plans are bigger than us and we get to do it with him and for him. For he sent you. John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Can we get some worship music on? Sure, yeah. I'm coming to the end of my session. But lastly, how big is your expectancy? <laughs> Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power and work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Is this your day of change? A day where God, where you will give God your unconditional yes to everything he has for you. A day on your journey where you have heard his voice again. He has big plans for you because you're dealing with his most precious. But are you willing to live in your true worth? Seeing yourself as God sees you? Are you prepared to live in your way? <coughs> are you ready to take a leap of faith and dream big into the next stage of your ministry journey. We're just going to pray for a moment. And just for privacy's sake, we just bow our heads and, and close our eyes. And maybe this has been a session where you have really felt the spirit stirring something up within you. Whether it's your worth and value, whether it's your expectancy for the next stage, whether it's the journey that you're on and you need more of him. 
If God has been speaking to you in this place, can I ask you just to raise your hand and put it back down again? Thank you. Thank you. Because we just want to pray for you. We want you to be the best that you can be. We want you to fulfill the magnitude of the call God has placed on your life. We want you to be God's chosen people that will change a generation for his glory. That is who you are. That is who he has called you to be. He is the one that will direct your path. He is the one that will fulfill your dreams. He is the one that is God Almighty. Is there anyone else? This is your time. This is your moment where you will say, yes, Jesus, that's me. I'm not stepping back. I'm not stepping to the side. I am stepping forward for you today. This is your moment to do with me how you want God. Are you going to give him your unconditional yes today? Is this going to be a defining moment in your journey? It's going to take them into the next, take you and your ministry into the next space. Are you going to be totally and utterly submitted to what he has for you to do? Anyone else before I pray? Okay, thank you. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for spaces that have been created for days like this, for times like this, for moments on our journey like this. That this would be your time, God, to do with us whatever you see is fit and right for us to move into. That you, God, would take our ministries into a different realm. That you would help us, enable us, equip us, and empower us to go further than we ever thought possible. Because it is who you are and what you have called us to do. That this would be your time to shine through those that you have set aside for such a time as this. That we would have our Esther moment this day on the 16th of March 2019. A day that we will look back and we will say, yes Jesus, that was the moment that you changed everything for me. Because I give you my unconditional yes. God, I pray a blessing over those that have responded in this space. I pray, oh God, that you would unleash the mighty blessing of heaven, the anointing of heaven over the lives that have submitted to you this day. And that you, Lord, would equip them to go and win a generation that will change a nation. Because that's what you do. Lord, do it. In Jesus' name, amen.